I would like, if I may, on a strange journey to take you. <laughs> Nonsense is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host Adam Campbell, being joined by Aden Arden. How are you, my man? I'm doing pretty good. I spent the day having sex. How are you doing? Sweet. <laughs> I spent the day thinking about you having sex. It's been uh, delicious. <laughs> oh, I bet. All right. Uh, first of all, to the audience, thank you so much for tuning in to Nine Cents for yet another week. It is great to have you. It is November 23rd, and we have a fantastic show for you this week. We're going to do a little devil's advocate. It's been a while. We're going to br- we're bringing old school back. Is that is that the right reference? I feel like an old man whenever I try to reference culture that's like 10 years old. You're bringing all the boys uh, to the yard. That's what you're doing. There you go. <laughs> uh, this devil's advocate is going to be about the third satanic statement. I was going back because I want to make sure I cover all the satanic statements sort of on their own for an episode. And I skipped the third. I don't know why I did, but I skipped it. And so we're going to hit that and then we're going to go back forward to eight and nine at some other later date. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, Infernal Informant. This is a article that was submitted to me by a listener. Thank you very much. Ancient Egyptian Handbook of Spells Deciphered. I am kind of a geek for ancient human history, and with that, I, I kind of like human myths. And so stuff like this is right up my alley. Um, feminism is in danger of becoming toxic. <laughs> in <Coming>. danger of? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the second uh, article. And then, of course, Aden's in the house. we got a little militant eroticism. What's this one called? Uh, monogamy and monogamy. I haven't written it, but, you know... <laughs> I'm here, so we're, we're going to do our best. We'll figure something out. <laughs> something. I'm sure we can just make fun of those faggots that are married to a woman. Like you. And only have sex with that woman. Queer. For years. <laughs> and years. And end up jerking off in the shower and every time they leave for the store and cry in their pillows at night because they're all lonely because they're married to the same fucking woman. And why can't they ever have Cocoa Puffs in bed for once? You can't cut your toenails... Sorry. You know, I think you've seen American Beauty one too many times. I feel sorry for when your daughter hits high school and she starts bringing her friends home. Well, more I feel sorry for you, but you know. <laughs> Be pure torture. All right, so that's going to do it for the show. Let's uh, let's start with some notes here. Uh, yet again, here's, here's something I don't... Okay, I, I don't pretend to believe that everyone who tunes into the show tunes into every single episode. So it's entirely possible that you miss things that I've hit on or something. But if you ever have a question, you can just go to the website and search the website. There's a little Google search thing in the upper right hand corner of the website that literally only searches the indexed website. So if you have a question, if I've covered a topic in a show, that's a perfect place to go to check it out. Uh, I'm continually asked about apparel. This is like the third week that someone's asked me about it and I've mentioned it every week so I'm going to do it again on the off chance that this is the episode they're turning into uh, check out Asp Apparel you can get 9 cents gear there uh, you can donate to the show by checking the homepage of 9cents.podcast.com and then of course if you want to support the show shoot us an intro uh, call my Google Voice account 
uh, 801-899-6168 and leave me your own intro. I would like if I may to take you on a strange journey in any way you think is appropriate. And no one's going to answer and it's going to be all wonderful. Or you can just shoot me an email, info at 9centspodcast.com and send it that way as well. So that's how you can support the show outside of just tuning in. Um, and also, uh, I've mentioned this to the segment host like Aden, and I think I'm going to do a call to everyone because I think it could be interesting. So all of you out there listening, I know, some, I would say 99% of you have had a bad holiday experience. And this horrific holiday nine cents special, I want to talk about that. I want to go over the worst holidays you've ever had. So if you have a particular interesting one, shoot me an email or send me a, a voicemail and let, let us know and we'll put it on the air and we'll talk about it and we'll laugh about it and we'll have a lot of fun and you can be a part of nine cents holiday history. That was sounded kind of gay actually. Stupid. <laughs> uh, but anyway... If, if you're into that kind of thing, it's a lot of fun. We're just going to make fun of a lot of wonderful experiences we've had. And uh, yeah, everyone's going to be participating. So you can too. Um, okay, so my son just had a birthday and he is now officially a preteen. <laughs> how do you feel about this, Adam? <laughs> when I was a kid, I never thought of it as, ooh, I'm a preteen. Yay. You know, it was always just like, until I'm 18, it's just another birthday. Like, like there were no... No big birthdays until 18. That was a huge one for me. Did you have any big days like that? Like before you were actually like officially a man? I, I'm still waiting to be a man. But <laughs> <laughs> Daddy said I'm not a man until I get married. I'm like, well, shit, I guess I'm fucking a man. <laughs> I'm never going to be a man. No, that's not true. My father never said that to me. But um, <laughs> oh, wait, but. With the when you first sent the email about the worst holiday thing, I'm like, oh, this could be such a blunder because someone's gonna call or email and say, every time I'm every time a holiday passes, I think of my wife who died. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like I was waiting for it. Me and Darren were having coffee when we got the email, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be hilarious. <laughs> But, um, oh, that would, if, you know what, if it was true and they sold it, uh, I would still put it on the air. <laughs> I'm not, it's like, I hated my wife and when she died, now every Christmas it's a big sell. I throw a huge party <laughs> on her grave and nothing but strippers and booze. <laughs> that's right. And that's a good Christmas. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I couldn't wait to be a preteen though. I actually, I sat my parents down like, mom, dad, now that I'm a preteen, I think I should have... <laughs> more responsibility and then I should be able to swear a little bit because a lot of the other kids when we go camping and scouts you know they swear and I, I always say I can't swear but I think I'm old enough to where I swear my dad is laughing his ass off at me <laughs> and I'm all scared as shit to ask my parents to say hell and damn <laughs> that's awesome I couldn't wait to get older now now I'm getting almost now I'm approaching 30 I'm like no no, no, no. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> Hit the brakes. <laughs> I, I'm not done enjoying my early 20s. This can't happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. He's super crazy excited about a preteen and, you know, good for him. Whatever milestone he wants to celebrate, I'm with him for it. But the older he gets, the, the more I recognize my own behaviors in him. And, mm -hmm. you know, every once in a while we'll have this really kind of cool sort of like, 
connection on a subject or a situation where we really just get each other, which is for a father, a super awesome experience. Like you go through raising a child and you have literally zero connection with them other than having created them, like, like intimate connection with their brains. And so it's always like, well, I'm, you know, changing their diaper or I'm putting them in school or I'm helping them with homework or which is a whole, holy shit, another diatribe. But, um, yeah, when you get, when they, they get older and you're taking them out in the wilderness or around town and you're sharing thoughts and ideas and you start to connect with them and realize that, holy shit, this really is an individual, but you see little glimpses of yourself in them. So like I used to, I used to have really, really long hair. I, I was a butt rocker and I had this leather jacket that now he's wearing like my old leather jacket is so funny and he's dressing up exactly the way I used to, but he's never seen me like that. So it's not like I've, pushed him down that road. This is just him falling into himself kind of in the same way, a little bit different, which is really kind of cool for me to watch. Um, and he's, he's a really good kid. He struggles with a couple subjects in school. He's doing a lot better than I ever did. And so I'm like crazy proud of him, but there's this moment that it seems it's like everywhere I fucking go, this happens where someone's like, you have a really great kid. You know, your son is a, he's really, he's manner, he's got really great manners. He's just a really good kid. And I just want, I know, I fucking raised him. You don't have to tell me how good my coffee is. I buy the good coffee. Like, I, I, of course I know he's a good kid. I fucking raised, I taught him to be a good kid. What did you expect? And so I don't know if I should take it as a blanket insult. Like, I figured any kid coming from you would be a piece of shit. But holy fuck is this kid not like you. Or if they're just like, good job, parent. You know, I can't tell which one it is. I think it's a good job, parent. It's a compliment. It's kind of like, yeah, you, good job. Your kid is impressive. <laughs> yeah. My parents, anytime someone told them that, a teacher or another parent, they're like, your kid is so well-mannered and so smart. They're like, yeah, he's also a narcissist. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they just have to bring it back down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think I think that's the way um, uh, fathers and their kids connect, though. Is you know, mothers have uh, the the what's the word I'm looking for? The benefit of that instant biological connection, like they right. came from the, the womb, and you carried them around for nine months, and it, it's this intense emotional and biological bond that happens in an instant. Um, fathers, I think they feel that to a lesser degree when their kid is born. But it's primarily, you know, the, I, I think it's teaching and time together and getting to know each other. You have to develop that bond, whereas mothers have it in an instant. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's a really great way of putting it, too. I, I, I found myself um, being particularly harsh on him when uh, I found out he wasn't getting as good a grades as I wanted him to. And I ha always have this moment where... Whenever I like discipline my children, I am in, like seconds later, I am reflecting on it in my head like, oh, fuck, why was I so hard on him? Why, do, you know, it's not that big of a goddamn deal. And when I put myself at in their shoes when I was that age, I'm like, oh, I was so much fucking worse than them. Why am I so fucking hard on them? And so I have this sort of one on one with my son. I'm like, y you realize um, why I'm so hard on you all the time, right? And I'm like, I, I it's not <clears throat> you don't deserve as uh, to have a father as aggressive as I am at times. And for that, I apologize. 
but it's coming from a place where I didn't have a, a dad that, that ex- experienced my life like, like you and I do together. We didn't spend time like we do. And I, I just feel like I have to, I have to be there for you if you need it. And if I see you sort of straying or grasping because you're having a, a hard time, I want, I want, the bottom line is I want you to be the best version of you you can possibly be. It's my job to teach you how to be a man. I don't want you to be like your friends who all have this entitlement attitude because you don't. <laughs> like, the world doesn't owe you anything. And so I'm sort of trying to explain myself and he, I, I can just tell, you know, it's glossy-eyed. He doesn't care. He's waiting for me to stop talking so he can play his game or go to his friend's house. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like... I'm like pouring my heart. I'm trying to explain why I'm so hard on you. And like, I I don't know. It's selfish of me to think that he would understand or even accept why I'm hard on him. But on the other hand, like I never had that type of open dialogue. So I kind of feel like it's important. I don't know. Um, well, I, me and my father never got along. Never. Not, um, when I was, when I was a kid, my mom said me and him got along fantastically. When I was a preteen and a teenager, um, we were at each other's throats up until I moved out. That's when uh, me and my dad started connecting. And now I talk to him more than I talk to my mother. Uh, well, when I can get a hold of him, he travels the world for work. So there's months where you know, he'll be in India and I can't talk to him. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So, but I, I remember my dad, my dad was never an emotional man. He is now more emotional now. But when I was growing up, he was never very stoic, very cold, um, not cold in any like rich, you know, you know, the stereotype of a rich businessman. Yeah. Never like that, but very stoic. Uh, but I remember conversations like that. And at the time I was like, you're an asshole, you're mean, I hate you. And you just need to (laughs) shut up and walk away. And now I, now I, I understand now I get it. Now I appreciate those times, but that that revelation came so recently. So it's good oh, that wow. you're having those with your son, and he'll value them later. <laughs> yeah, he's got to wait twenty you just, years. <laughs> you got to wait till he becomes a man, type of thing. Yeah, and then he'll look, yeah. yeah, then he'll look back and go, "Thank you." Yeah, because <laughs> to, to my dad, you're not a man until um you pay your own bills and you're on your own and you do whatever you want without apology. Yeah. So now I do that and. The one time he said something disrespectful in my house when it was me and my boyfriend living here, well, I, I'm like, either you're going to leave or you're going to apologize. And that's when he was he shook my hand and goes, you're a man. Hell like, yeah. I, I'm like, wait a minute. I wasn't a man when I broke your nose, but I'm a man that I told you, <laughs> oh, get out of my house or apologize to my boyfriend. You know? <laughs> Is that, that really? <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. No, that's it. It's a trip being a parent, man. It is an absolute trip. And, you know, we all have the other side of being the kid growing up and having the realization. For those of us that have it the opposite where we now have to sort of live through our parents' shoes, it's a a pain in the fucking ass. (laughs) It's so not easy. So not easy. All right. um, What's that? My mom said I cheated. She goes, you know, part of the pleasure of being a parent is you know that one day your your kids – We'll go through the shit that you put them through. <laughs> She's like, but you, no, not you. You found an escape route. You became gay and said, no, I don't want kids. 
That was your escape route. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm looking at her like, I wish, you know, I'm, I wish I was clever enough to think of this. I really do. <laughs> it's a yeah. choice, not sexual choice. I just don't want kids. So. Yeah, it's my escape route. Like, oh no, 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 no! I know what I did to you guys, and I'm not happening. <laughs> That's not happening to me. <laughs> I am voluntarily opting out. Thank you, but no. Nice. All right, let's uh, let's do a little devil's advocate. Okay. In nominate I do not speak for the church of Satan. The third satanic statement. Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. So this is uh, yet another installment of a little bit of uh, delving into the satanic statements. Uh, and, and obviously the third undefiled wisdom is uh, what what really... I don't know. Okay, so when you, <clears throat> when you read this the first time at an... What was the first thing that, that jumped into your mind? Uh, this meant? Truth is truth, no matter what. That's, uh, I, I kind of read it as um, almost, almost as a, a poetic way of, uh, of expressing science. It, it's the, you, you cannot argue with facts. They're facts. And oh. to deny them is really stupid. It's ridiculous. That's an interesting... See, I, I saw it a totally different way. That's really interesting. So I saw a, a, a reaction to Christianity when I read this, like that, that, you know, playing off the spiritual pipe dream part of it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, I that did want to, that makes perfect that? sense as well, though, the, the kind of the, the reaction to a, a spiritual statement of faith. And, but yeah, I, I saw it as an expression of honor the facts. Damn. That, I mean, this, is, this is what I love about talking uh, about these specific statements with different individuals. You always get a different take on them. You know, we read them as an individual and we think, oh, well, this is obvious. This is exactly what he's talking about. But what's so wonderful about these is that that's not truly the case. There are many different ways to look at each of these statements and how they play off of each other. So I want to I want to talk about undefiled wisdom really quick. So you're taking undefiled wisdom as um, science, right? Uh, just, uh, truth, just truth. Oh, so I always, whenever I think of undefiled wisdom, um, especially in the context of, um, being a contrary to hypocritical self-deceit, I always think of like human nature. So rather than saying, I'm not going to do this action because <clears throat> if I don't, then I'll be able to get to some other place. Undefiled wisdom is saying, well, if you want to have sex as a human being, it is natural for you to have this desire. That is the undefiled wisdom. That is your nature. So, you know, obviously defiled wisdom would be uh, lying about truth. Undefiled is, is just as you said, bare bones. This is uh, factual truth. And to me, in our world, there's only a couple things that are like that. And one of them for me that I always like to focus on is human nature. You know, it, it is the undeniable truth that we have these desires and these wants and in some cases needs. And that the idea that there's these organizations or social groups or individuals that voluntarily deny that 
is insane to me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's you know you're right that a lot of people when you talk to other Satanists they have um, a person. I don't want to say interpretation. They have a, a they connect these statements with something personal about themselves, almost right, yeah. almost like a personal gripe. Um, so when I read it in terms of a in more of a scientific way as the facts are facts, it's because that is a, an intellectual fetish of mine, um, mm -hmm. especially when you can use it as a weapon. Like, I know you're all a bunch of whores. That's my weapon. Even though really what I'm saying is no, we all like having sex. Just admit to it. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the um, yeah, the, the, if you're horny and you want to have sex, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, being angry, being greedy, being selfish, that those, if you can admit to it, that would be an undefiled wisdom. Mm -hmm. If, if yeah. you try to whitewash it or no, 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 you know, I, I, I'm very generous. I, I'm very charitable, but you know, char uh, charity starts at home. Praise Jesus. That, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that last part there does not fix the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or uh, saying that you're, you, you volunteer at the homeless shelter and then you go home and buy yourself a $6,000 television yeah, that really doesn't solve the problem. You're still being greedy and selfish. You, yeah. Donating two hours does not say that you're a charitable person. If anything, it probably means that you're just trying to uh, forgive yourself for buying the $6,000 television. Yeah, it's very transparent. The I'm going to spend uh, an hour down at the soup kitchen so that I can feel good about myself the rest of the year. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I like the way Darren puts it, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, these are days where you can forgive yourself for being such a selfish prick. The other days of the year that you over, you overcompensate with generosity for that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I look at him like, are you sure this is an excuse for, you know, people like me and you constantly forget people's birthdays and forget to send them gifts and things like that. Are you sure that's just not a convenient excuse? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, <clears throat> I'm the same way. <clears throat> yeah. I uh, really like that, that the truth science side of it that you mentioned though, the more I think about that, the more it just fits so fucking well. So you have these, these uh, groups, for example, um, mothers who will not vaccinate their children because they think that it gives them some other disorder or disease. Oh. Or you have people who believe that the earth is only 6,000 years old because what they're doing is they're taking what makes them feel good and what they want to believe and forcing all of reality into that tiny little box. Like, yeah. They're just going to whatever lengths they can in order to convince themselves that they are in fact right for believing something in the face of complete uh, rebuttals of fact. They they will just still stand up and, and believe, well, uh, the dinosaurs must have only been 6,000 years ago. I wish that was the case. Jurassic Park would be a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's like ancient Egyptians time right there. The 6,000 years. That's fucking crazy. Right. We have, <clears throat> we've seen build, uh, not buildings, but we've seen monuments that are 8,000 years old, 9,000 uh, years old. We've seen evidence that civilization is older than 10,000 years old. But come on, really, six? <laughs> it's such a it's such a strange number to land on, too. They're just like, yeah. No, what sounds like a big number? I don't know, three thousand? No, just double it. Six. Well, let's just say six thousand. Well, they. You know how they came up with that number, though, right? 
No. They uh, there's a list in Genesis of the you know Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve begot so and so and so, and then right. they begot so so and so. So this guy, I believe, in the 1800s, uh, listed all the ages, uh, how long they were alive, started with the year they were in, and just did some basic math with the names and the numbers given in Genesis, uh, the ages and the people, and came up with the number of about 6,000 years old. Yes, so he took a record, an incomplete record, from a fable. <laughs> and That's horrible. just subtracted. It's horrible. It's ridiculous. <clears throat> So, I mean, we can even bring this to um, a micro level with with us individually throughout our lives. So we convince ourselves of situation. Well, he really loves me even though he beats me. Uh, he tells me he really loves me. I deserve it. I, I'm infuriating him in, in bad relationships. Or you convince yourself of lies like, oh, well, you know, we really are good for each other even though we both are fucking around on the side and, and we're trying to be monogamous, but we really... You know, we, we just stray from time to time or or you're an alcoholic and you refuse to believe it. You know, all these individual exercises of lies fits beautifully into this, because if you just sit back and say, well, the reality is, is is Satan represents you as the truth, not as your uh, intellectual lying to yourself uh, or uh, justifications uh, for for your behaviors, then you, you remove it from this broad context and you can kind of move day to day. So <laughs> even though I would never do this in my own life, I always like the idea of, um, uh, you know, what would Satan do <laughs> with this in mind? Whenever you're having a, 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 a quarrel within yourself, whenever you're thinking uh, A or B or should I or shouldn't I? Well, what would Satan do? Well, he would be honest to who and what you really are and he would take that path. It's sort of this fun little exercise then again, I, I never actually do this myself. I just thought it'd be a goofy thing. Um, especially because, you know, all those people with like rings and oh, yeah. t-shirts of what Jesus would do and stuff. It's just kind of a funny take on that. Well, I do do that uh, when I have little issues in my own head um, over what to do or, all right, the evidence says this, but God, I really want to believe something else. And I do ask, well, what would Satan do? Um, but I, that that's, just the, uh, I think the way I deal with my world is I like symbols and I like dealing with everything in abstractions. I think it, yeah. that, that whole Nietzschean idea of, you know, you have to give the world meaning for it to be meaningful. So, oh, yeah. right. So I really like that I get to play with these names and symbols and characters and anthropomorphize them to the point where it seems like I would be having a conversation with an entity, but even though I know, I know I'm not, um, or but this statement uh, kind of reads to me as, you know, Satan represents having the strength to confront reality. It's, it's, almost, yeah. a, it's, a, it's almost a courageous, it's almost a dare. Like, I, I dare you to confront the truth because it's scarier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, God damn, the more we talk about this, the more interesting it becomes because this, for, for, for those of us who are challenged with having perspective with our own life experience, looking at ourselves objectively. Uh, if that's a challenge for you, then this is a wonderful way to get over that. It is literally saying, uh, 
you no longer are forcing yourself to evaluate yourself. Now you're forcing, you're still forcing yourself, but in the exercise, you're forcing Satan to evaluate you. And if he is undefiled wisdom and you accept that as a truth, then you will be able to objectively look at your behaviors. It's, it's an exercise to help you get over yourself, uh, get over your own mind, if you will. I think that's a really wonderful way of doing it. Yeah, I, I have a, I love lucid dreaming um, once I finally kind of learned how to do it. But uh, I, have the, I have a ritual that, that's kind of a way to confront myself when I'm having a hard time doing it in everyday life. Like, no, 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 no. Well, yes, I can. (laughs) So I have, you know, I have a a very basic ritual and then I go to sleep right after in order to lucid dream. And it's a conversation in the woods with, um, what I would imagine the devil to look like. And it's really me just talking to myself and I understand that, but I indulge in the fantasy in the dream and it's, almost like having it it, it all it, the conversation would almost seem like uh uh socrates talking to aristotle teacher to student type of thing where i oh, can yeah. have a part of my personality that is uncompromising and completely objective saying listen here you son of a bitch i'm going to tell you what the fuck you're doing <laughs> and you're going to listen because you have really nowhere to go you're in your own head so <laughs> yeah you're trapped bitch and it's a wonderful little exercise and people do it all the time uh with mirrors talking to themselves in the mirror and it's it's hilarious the voice that comes in the back of their head that it's your voice but it's saying things that are completely independent of you to where you're almost having a conversation and i think that that's a ritual in and of itself but it goes directly back to the statement where sometimes if you cannot for whatever reason cannot confront reality there's ways to help you do that by splitting yourself up and then as long as you recognize that it's still you yeah that's brilliant. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. God damn, I'm glad we talked about this together. Fuck yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> like swinging my hand. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't think I've switched enough today. My my pelvis is killing me. <laughs> that man. Damn, I didn't know ass could slam that hard. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, let's... Uh... I think that's a really good place to end it. Uh, you know, all these statements are really wonderful independently and they do deserve extra thought. You know, when we think of the nine satanic statements, by and large, uh, really generally speaking here, we, we see them as a collection rather than individual statements. Uh, and yes, they do play off of each other in wonderful ways, but individually you can really delve into them and find a hidden meaning almost within them. Uh, and that's really what it, what we mean whenever we say Satanism demands study, not worship, is is that you need to take a second and third and fourth look at these things, at, at these at these statements that you claim represent you, and really evaluate how they are reflected in you. Uh, and it, it's a really wonderful exercise, and uh, I'm glad that we can uh, do this on the podcast. So, uh, I do, I do like. Uh, uh, sorry, um, I do like that when Peter said that the Satanic Bible is almost like a mirror. Um, that when you sit down and you look at the book, if you do view it as, oh my God, this is me, it's like a mirror, you can sit down and look at it and find something new about your point of view and about how you see yourself and how you deal with yourself by looking at these statements and the rules and um, the more poetic dogma in it and find something about yourself before. Oh, yeah. All right. 
Well, there you have it, audience. <laughs> Fucking uh, sweet, undefiled wisdom from Aden. It's awesome. Yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> parroting from Angus <laughs> Gilmore. Let's uh, let's do a little info informant. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Hey, what's going on, friends? Uh, info informant. Hi, right, this is LiveScience.com. This was uh, sent in by a listener. Thank you very much. I do actually find it of interest. I love this kind of stuff. Research- researchers have deciphered an ancient Egyptian handbook revealing a series of invocations and spells. <clears throat> Excuse me. Among other things, the Handbook of Ritual Power, as research. Uh, researchers call the book, tells readers how to cast love spells, exercise evil spirits, and treat black jaundice, a bacterial infection that is still around today and can be fatal. The book is about 1,300 years old and is written in Coptic, an Egyptian language. It's made of bound pages of parchment, a type of book that researchers call a codex. So this was, uh, they suppose that this was a Sethian or... um, uh, an individual broken from uh, the Orthodox Christian religion, which at this time was actually taking up popularity in Egypt, um, the sort of single god versus the pantheon that they had always worshipped, well, most always had worshipped at the time. So, hands down, no, no one, no one that I know anyway, I certainly don't, believes in books of spells. It's a very Lovecraftian idea. Um, that he may have stolen from stuff like this. <laughs> but uh, I love the idea of this. And so, you know, we look back and we say, oh, this is a book of spells. But at the time, I don't, th- I'm not 100% sure that that ancient peoples were as stupid as we think, or as superstitious as we think they are. Certainly they believed in gods. Certainly they believed uh, in a spiritual afterlife. Um, but... <laughs> When, when we look back and we see people making notes about uh, cures for diseases and stuff, we are implying that they're spells, <laughs> that they're, they're, they're uh, rituals and stuff, rather than just a factual description as they saw reality. Right. So I don't, I don't know, what was that? Oh, I said, no, you're right. <laughs> so I just think it's it's interesting because we want so desperately, and when I say we, I'm really talking about my uh, pre-satanic individual wanted so desperately for there to be a a legacy of ancient knowledges that was passed down throughout generations of mankind. But the reality is, is we all made it up from the generations before. Like, at each stage, there's a more ancient take. Oh, no, this is what they really believed, and these were the spells that they used. And, and it, it, for the most part, it was all fucking made up. <laughs> like, all made up. It was not real. And I really love it because um, when you look at an article like this, through the lens of, um, I don't know, Dan, if you listened, but last week I released two episodes, and one of them had um, which Zaftig on, and she was talking about how modern day men and women who refute Christianity look to uh, older religions and try to practice them as somehow uh, being uh, more true. But really, all we're doing is looking at it through our post-Christian 
world lens and redefining it. So every fucking movie that you've ever seen that's talked about ancient magic or ancient peoples, every book that's ever been written in our lifetimes, our collective modern society lifetimes, uh, about ancient anything is all through the lens of fucking a Christian worldview. So you cannot ever look at this and say, oh, well, these were ancient writings that was, uh, you know, ancient spells that they used. And it was uh, cures uh, and uh, evocations to uh, exercise demons and stuff. No, that's how we're interpreting it. Exactly. Like it could literally be, well, this is just a toxic to help people burp when they had a stomach ache. Yeah, people um, people seem to... I have a few things to say on this because uh, when I saw this article being posted around in the comments and I'm like, save it. I'll save it for something, <laughs> for something. I'm so happy when you sent me the notes and this came up. I'm like, ah, I saved it for a good reason. Uh, first off, I love which Zaftig's um, uh, segment. I absolutely adore it. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a theologian. So now everything that she does, I'm like, oh, my God, you lucky little woman. You're lucky <laughs> academic. Lucky I hate you. I love it. So, <laughs> I sent her an email full of praise. I'm like, oh, you're so great. Um, <laughs> but no, you're right. People, this religion is man's. Uh, well, religion, folklore, mythology, superstition. Th these are human beings' first attempt at medicine and science. Um. So when you look at these older books, you can't necessarily look at it as, oh, it's a spell book, even though I completely agree with you. When I was younger, I wished and I had hoped to find like that <laughs> yeah. secret knowledge. But then it occurred to me a secret knowledge has been passed down to us in philosophy and science and especially in literature. When you open a book that was written two, three hundred years ago, you are getting wisdom from somebody who lived 300 years ago. You're getting a personal take at a time that you, you are never going to see, never going to know anything about. You're getting a very personal view on it. So you already have the secret knowledge. I think it's more you have to switch the vocabulary around, kind of like the everyday world versus the ritual chamber. You're doing shit that you probably do in the shower. But or at least, you know, when I'm in ritual, I do things in there that I do in the shower. But, <laughs> but you know, I swing a dagger around in the shower. Good times. So, <laughs> but it's the vocabulary that changes. So when you open up a science book, you just have to know. If you look and compare a science book to an old spell book and you just change the terminology around, it's kind of interesting. Um, especially when it comes to astronomy versus astrology. That's it. It's really fun to do that. But... Uh, this, these books, these were not spell books. They weren't written by you know, witches who were working with spirit. They're religious books. It's the prayer book of its day. And we look at prayer books now, Even I think even Christians do. It's, it's nothing, something special. There's nothing sacred about it. It's, it's just a religious text. It's an everyday mm -hmm. item. And um, I think you're right. It's a modern, it's a modern view through a modern lens looking at something that's old and we're putting our present day interpretation on it and our hopes and our dreams about what a spell book would be. Yeah. And a lot of these old superstitions were just ways to deal with stomach aches and flus and colds and they didn't know anything about diseases so of course they were spirits. Or it's hard to believe that they used to think that um, uh, they didn't have any concept of uh, that there was no such thing as empty space uh, on this planet that there were things between you and me and that when the wind blew 
and things happen. It wasn't stuff in the air. It was probably a spirit moving things. And that was right. their that was their knowledge. Yeah, I mean, just wind itself. <laughs> Even yeah, just wind itself. They had a god for the wind, so it wasn't wind. It was someone that you can't see, touch, feel, or talk to. <laughs> and it, it's always interesting to me because when when we think of this and we we think back on it, we're we're being disingenuous to the people at the time because we're making a bunch of assumptions based on what we know as truths. And so they genuinely did believe that gods affected their lives. Like that is, you pull over any Christian nowadays, and I would say, you know, nine-tenths of them do not actually believe that God actually affects their individual life. I think that's the fringe. I think the majority of people just like the idea of a God. Um, but in, in, in ancient Roman, ancient Greece, and definitely ancient Egypt, they literally believed that the elements were controlled by gods and that the gods did everything. Like, they were, they were ingrained in human affairs. That's an, that's an amazing notion that it's hard to be able to step out of. So what we now term as science was literally gods. In, like, it, it was all the gods doing. It was not the natural way of the world. It was just gods doing it. And it was separated. It was segregated into different areas. I mean, it's a really wonderful uh, uh, exercise to try to separate your mind from our, our modern way of thinking and trying your best, which we can't do, but trying your best to put it into their frame. Um, and so whenever, you know, you have an archaeologist who digs something new up, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt, people, because it's literally them trying to interpret through their lens what these ancient people thought, believed, and did. I think it's quite insulting. We don't give our ancestors enough credit. I mean, well, uh, we really don't. I mean, did you see Rome, the the ruins? Those, the city was gorgeous. It was a technological mm -hmm. feat, and, it's, and it, it is still considered today a technological feat. The roads that they built still lasted hell. The ones in Michigan can't last through the fucking winter. <laughs> exactly yes that's a really beautiful point point. and it's what people seem to forget is when the architects designed these cities they did it with what they called sacred geometry which we would just call basic mathematics but mm -hmm. you know, the equations that they had and the signs that they did were named after gods that they thought oh this is knowledge of this particular god so they it's it's like when we invoke osmodai or mammon or satan or whomever it we we look at these individual characters as having individual qualities, and they did it the same way, except they actually believed it. But it's irrelevant because um, it was it was science just called by a different name and different reasons, I guess. But it, it worked, you know. Like when my math teacher goes, you know, you got the right answer, but you did the equation wrong. Well, what the fuck is the difference? You know, I got the right answer. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> this is why this is exactly why I, I genuinely dislike the majority of people that believe in ancient alien visiting our, our ancestry oh, and what? doing things for us because oh, they're just shortcutting the human ingenuity and, and, and what it means to be a human being. Look, if, if you didn't have Twitter, if you didn't have Facebook, if you didn't have the ability to at any instant get any piece of information across the globe within seconds you might be able to think about something for longer than a second and work problems out. 
you might be able to come up with solutions to mind-boggling problems in our opinions, but like the reality is, is that our human ancestors did amazing things and we can't rationalize it because we are fucking stupid compared to them. I was going to say. Through all our advancements. Without <laughs> like we Twitter just, and Facebook, I think you're giving the average person nowadays too much credit. They need those things, Adam. <laughs> and two, don't be so hard on the ancient alien theorists. They are so much fun. That show on the History Channel, I fucking love it. <laughs> I really do. I love that show. It is so much fun. Oh. And I have tons of books on ancient alien theories because I'm just like, oh, my God, this is great. It's so crazy. And it would be an awesome sci-fi movie. <laughs> Come on, Stargate rock. <laughs> I got to be honest. And this is why I say the people who believe it, because I I really do enjoy those ideas, too. Like, really. I mean, that's that's what started me down my my passion of, of learning about ancient human history is the idea that uh, it wasn't just human. But the, the for me, the more I... I see and I experience, I, I genuinely believe that we just did it and we had time to work out problems and we just worked them out. <laughs> like we don't, we didn't need a UFO to do it, <laughs> but I do enjoy it. Like it's like a movie, you know, a bad movie, a B movie, but it's like a movie whenever you watch stuff like that. It's, it's the people that believe it, that buy into it, that I have a hard time with. You don't believe it. You know it. You know our species did those things. I mean, there is no other evidence that says otherwise. The, that yeah, flow, exactly. Yeah. The, uh, what? The Baghdad, batter, uh, the Baghdad battery? Come on. Really? It's ridiculous. If that's the best of your evidence, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's how aliens lifted. <laughs> yeah. Lots I mean, of stone. <laughs> there was one scientist interviewed in one of those shows who went, um, listen, I would agree with them. If I saw anything that ancient man could not do on their own. But so far, the best evidence they come up with was some glass and a wire that they used in jewelry that they put in a liquid that they also used in makeup. <laughs> if that's the best these aliens can do and the best things aliens can do is build shit out of stone. I want to know how the fuck they got here to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> Gigantic stone spaceships. They flew on big rocks. <laughs> powered a, by potato <laughs> powered by a potato oh that was such a fun experiment in school yeah alright I mean that's, that's really all I wanted to talk about this article it was really fun to read I, I, I really do dig this stuff I mean I actually on my back shelf I have three books of ancient Egyptian uh, spells because I, I truly love this type I don't believe it but I love this type of stuff oh it's fun so, yeah yeah it's good stuff. I love but you know what I love even more? Mm. I don't think you're going to believe you're going to be in in uh, in my shoes in this one. I love women more. <laughs> so I want to talk about feminism. I can't can't help you. Can't help you. <laughs> you're um you're married and you've had children. You are too far gone for even this <laughs> this boy to save. I have drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> and you are the vagina aid. The, oh god i'm just picturing like a like a handle above a pussy and you turning it and drinking what comes out <laughs> oh dude i have no problems oh i'd love oh, oh my gosh oh god come on man. i love it so much no it's good stuff You're i love the taste it. i love the smell holy shit this reminds me i, I wasn't even going to talk about this let me let me go off on a quick rant if i may yeah um i was working out with my wife the other day and I smelled pussy 
like crazy strong. Like I just smelled pussy. And so I was like, like a hound dog, like smelling around the room, trying to find the source of said pussy smell. I genuinely like it, but I wanted to know why it was so fucking bold. And I, I couldn't figure it out. Excuse me, I'm like burping as I'm talking for us. Um, and so I eventually like just like looked down at myself and smelled and I smelled pussy on me. And I pulled my shirt out and I was wearing a wife beater and I pulled it out and I was like smiling. Like, I smell exactly like pussy. Like I've never, I've never smelled like pussy like this before. Like if I've, if I've had my face like all up in that shit, then of course I smell like pussy. But working out, like just sweating, I'm now sweating pussy. You know what that means, right? <laughs> what? You're, uh, you've lost your balls, Adam. That's, that's it. <laughs> you're a married man with kids and you're a big family guy. It's official, man. You've oh lost your God. balls. <laughs> it, I, I, I still, I don't understand it. Like I was literally walking out of the room and back in the room trying to find this, like the zone of pussy. And it was me the whole time. The and I didn't have pussy. sex that like earlier. I don't even know why it was the weirdest thing. Did you ever get that? Like just weird smells just popping up for no reason. No. <laughs> okay if, well if, something, if, if that pops up i usually think i have an std or something you know? oh, shit. like oh shit time to go to the clinic no um <laughs> no no but i'm i'm gay so when i it's like all right so i've been having a sexathon the past two days and i'm just all i can smell is ass and balls that's all i can smell my entire apartment Whoa. reeks of gay sex uh, and you ruined it, Adam. You you officially <laughs> ruined it. I've been having the best sex I've had in months the past two days. Damn. And oh uh, no, I love my bottom. I love my because he is throwdown. He is fucking throwdown. Like when he fucks, he means it. He's like, no, no, no. I'm gonna ride this dick. I'm gonna sit on that face. I'm gonna do shit to you that I'm gonna be embarrassed about tomorrow. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's yes. passionate. It's carnal, and it's gung ho. It's like we're fucking man. Shit's gonna happen. <laughs> well, I, I love it. Too many people get embarrassed. Like, all right, women get embarrassed when things happen with their pussy, and men get embarrassed when things happen with their dick. Or gay bottoms get embarrassed when there's a little bit of shit, or they fart when you pull out. It's sex. It's messy. It's gonna happen. You're fucking an ass. There's gonna be a little bit of poop. You're pulling out of a pussy. There may be some air in there. It's gonna happen. What the hell's the problem? So like I, I, totally pull, I pulled out and he farted and he's like, he's like, Shh, you're making that shit loose, baby. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because he knew how to phrase it. He's like, a little bit of air came out. Instead of getting embarrassed, he's like, shit, you're fucking that whole good. And I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Yes. Sorry, I had to have a a moment there. I have a bro moment. <laughs> Your moment, actually, I don't think I, <clears throat> as I was explaining the pussy smell, I would not be able to tell what a, what ball sack smells like. Good. Like, I I have balls, and I don't think I could, like, out of a ball lineup, pull mine out of a of, of, of fucking ball. I feel like I could pull, pull, pull a pussy smell lineup. Like, if, if my wife was mixed with three other women, I'm pretty sure I could nail my wife's pussy <laughs> She's going to hate hearing this. <laughs> you know, but you know like this the like the definitive pussy smell to me mm -hmm. 
there's no fucking way it's the definitive ball smell to you. So I would never be able, like, I don't know what that smells like. They smell worlds apart. Um, you know, I even tell my straight friends this. When, and when you're done working out or something, if you, you know what your armpits smell like after a good workout? Yeah. It's pretty much kind of what your balls smell like. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it's fairly the same smell. Now, I, um, my different guys, their bells, their bells, their balls smell subtly different, and it's usually because of their diet. And you know, when someone's sick, they smell a little bit differently. But I think the reason why you can pick your wife's pussy out of a lineup. <laughs> <laughs> I've been dying to say that. All right. <laughs> Is um well, if, first of all, you spend an inordinate amount of time with her. Oh yeah. It, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> I have to say, yeah, yeah. When I saw you and your wife, I was just like, oh, they make me sick. Look at them. <laughs> Look at them all into each other and shit. You're supposed to be miserable. You're ruining my hypothesis over here. You know? <laughs> Same with other lifelong couples I met. Like, oh, you're ruining this shit for me. Come on, you're not supposed to be happy. <laughs> yeah. be miserable god damn it <laughs> but but you know you've been face down in there all the pun intended in the world even though there's no <laughs> pun but you know all the innuendo in the world um so it's it's you, you get to know the smell and there's there there's a, a biological connection there and all the, the pussies i've been down they all smell pretty much the same but if it's true for me when the men that i spend a lot of time with that i can pick out different smells it must be true of you people also. Yeah. So. Yeah. I have, I have no doubt in my mind that you can pick your wife's pussy out of a lineup. <laughs> by, <laughs> by nose alone. Which is also, it goes with gaydar too. They did an experiment where they took sweat from gay people and straight people. And then gay people and gay men and women and straight men and women had to smell the different um, sweats. And the gay people could almost always pick out other gay people. By no. smell alone. I'll send you the article. True? It was great. That's amazing. If that's true, that's amazing. Isn't it? I thought that was the weirdest thing. I'm like, all right, born with a gay inclination. All right, I can buy that. Born strictly gay, I don't. But that, that is neat. That is really cool. You can literally smell the gay on someone. <laughs> <laughs> you can... Maybe, maybe. That's amazing. <laughs> Smell, right. I can smell the ass on you. <laughs> I know where that nose has been, and it wasn't a pussy, buddy. <laughs> it ain't hey, old. even with monogamy, sometimes your nose gets right around that butthole. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let, let's feminism. do a little feminism. <laughs> feminism. Let's go. <laughs> yes, We're the worst people to do an article on feminism. What are you talking about? I am a huge feminist. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> this is from The Guardian. Uh, Feminism is in danger of becoming toxic. It's by Julie Bindle. Uh, the scientist of Rosetta Mission Frame, Matt Taylor, is arguably better known at the moment for a shirt he wore depicting scantily clad women than his extraordinary scientific breakthrough. After a massive kerfuffle, <laughs> what that kind word. of word is that? <laughs> Never seen that before. <laughs> Led by feminists <laughs> with such disdain, Taylor broke down in tears at a briefly at, at a briefing recently and said, "I made a big mistake and I offended many people and I'm very sorry about this." 
Many would hail this as a feminist victory of big-name scientists apologizing on TV and being reduced to tears for his apparent sexism. We must have come a long way to wield so much influence, but there's another way of seeing it. As less of a victory, more of a sign of a shift in feminist tactics. Instead of attacking the root cause of women's inequality, we've moved towards the vilification of individuals. Mm-hmm. Daniel, Daniel O'Reilly, a comedian who created the misogynistic Daper Laughs, has had his TV program axed, and there is pressure on those who do not publicly condemn him to do so. The Canadian broadcaster Jihan Gong. Yep, this is... Uh, Gum with it. <laughs> Gum with it. Has been convicted of the kangaroo court of social media. CBC, the radio station where uh, Gum issue works, terminated his employment in October 2014 after several sexual abuse allegations were made against him despite his denials. Right. And, oh, so much fun here. There's a whole list of people who are trying to get banned from countries and getting fired for accusations. Ladies and gentlemen, the modern-day Salem witch hunt is by women against men. Talk about role reversal, huh? <laughs> the, irony. Ah, the irony. It is uh, It is really interesting because, I mean, the, I guess this is the this is the same way I look at, and this is probably going to offend some people, this is the same way I look at atheists. And this is why I always refer to myself as a Satanist or an atheist and not an atheist, is because it starts at a basic premise and then it's taken to like this social movement that I want nothing to do with. So the basic premise of feminism is you believe that women have should have the same rights as men. But it's taken to such a hard different turn that you have dudes crying because they wore a t-shirt that some women found offensive. I mean so, Aden, tell me, uh, tell me, what, what's your opinion on feminism? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Women's suffrage. Women's suffrage originally about voting, mm-hmm. uh, prohibition, and having basic rights as men. Well, yeah, absolutely. You're an individual in a country that promises the same basic rights to every citizen. So there, there shouldn't be a problem. But when it comes to equal pay and things of that sort, um, I look at, it's the same thing I view about gay marriage. It's like, if this is all you're whining about, maybe your movement has accomplished its goals and it's time to call it quits. But no, I'm so sorry. There's too much money involved. (laughs) Too many jobs. And God knows job creation is hot right now. So, you know, the more, the more social problems we have, the more jobs go to everybody else. But, (laughs) um, Feminism is uh, as it's just gone too far. And I love there's this little Facebook meme going around that I thought really hit the nail on the head where it showed a picture of this um, of this of Matt Taylor with his uh, really ridiculously corny shirt <laughs> with all the women on it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's something Darren should wear. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is <laughs> it's such a stupid shirt. It would go great <laughs> with his bowling shirts. But but um, it was one it was a similar shirt, but it was women covered in burkas. And the question was, which one is more offensive? Ooh, that's nice. I know. Right. It's like you can't have it both ways. You have a woman who is posing strong and proud and sexy with a gun. And then you have a woman covered head to toe. Tell, I want to know why it's so offensive. Well, this is why women can't go into math. No, maybe the problem is that there's just. A lot of women who don't go into science. 
sure, it's a bro fest in science, but these are all nerds. If a hot woman walks into a lab, you really think they're going to stop her from working there? Are you kidding me? <laughs> first, yeah, first of all, any science office uh, department would die to have a woman in there. And there's no fucking way that there is any sexism in the science realm. Like, it is, I would say, more progressive in respecting in respecting the brain than any other field on this fucking earth. Right. At the at the end of the day, even even when I'm gone because I'm gay and I get let into Wait, you're gay? Did I come out? <laughs> you better tell your parents cuz they're going to listen to this and uh <clears throat> be shocked. I'm I'm grateful to say that my parents are now officially afraid. To listen to this, they heard mine and Darren's Valentine's Day special. My mother's looking at me while we're cooking dinner together, and she's like, "You know, I'm so happy that you found people that you can do this type of stuff with, because God knows you're a special person, honey." Oh, what is that? <laughs> yeah, my my parents they they know everything I do, but I, I caution them. To mm. see how far they can go, but yeah. Anyway, um, where was I on this? Yeah, it's uh, it, it at the end of the day, yeah. Because I'm gay and I've been led into the little you know girl only groups and things like that. And women, no, you, they're no better than what men do. When mm -hmm. a group of men get around, and go, dude, that girl in the office was so hot. And you see how tight that shirt was. Shit, man, I'd walk into the bathroom and rub one out, and I almost called her, you know, ho instead <laughs> of ma'am. Because I was just so turned on. <laughs> Women do the exact same fucking thing. When a bunch of them get together around their cackling cauldron, it's like, oh shit, I, I want to know which one's scarier. Because personally, the women scare me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they're just like, if, what's, what's the word for a woman being the equivalent of misogynistic? <laughs> you know what? That's right. There isn't one. So... <laughs> Isn't that really a good fucking point? Yeah, they're they're no better. They are absolutely no better when they talk about oh, you know, the guy's really nice and he's really smart, but he's just he's too skinny and too flat chested. I want a man with muscles, you know, and his dick is too small. But they'll bitch at a guy who says, "You got love handles, I can't do it." <laughs> well, you should love a woman for who she is, and you do the same of a man. Are you fucking kidding no me? No fucking way. There's yeah, a no, reason that's... why good guys finish last, and it's because of you, you whore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, send all hate mail to. <laughs> yes, go ahead. I, that's that's actually a, a solid point. I I've literally had conversations with women who break through uh, the bullshit and and are just honest for a minute. Like I've literally had women tell me, "I'm sorry, I was looking at your junk. I didn't hear what you just said." Like, that's happened to me in real fucking life. So it's not like they're these delicate flowers. They're the same fucking way that we are. And sometimes you can meet someone that's honest and will actually tell you. But this, the core of this is what really drives me crazy. Individually, I, I give a fuck if you're offended about something and you want to fucking protest this dude because of his shirt. Do your thing. I get, I don't care. But when it's the movement, the collective air quotes movement that's focusing on an individual rather than, to this article's point, 
focusing on the broader problem that they perceive, that's where I have a problem. Because you're literally going to ruin some individual's life because of your shitty fucking perspective instead of focusing on greater, broader problems. And so the the identity of feminism, <clears throat> as I sort of started this, uh, for me is the same as the identity of, of atheism, is that it's supposed to be a broad context of we're, we're supposed to be moving forward with this idea that A equals B. And if we can all collectively get behind that, we're not going to try to single out people. We're not going to try to ruin an individual's life and make him fucking cry on national television and, and totally fucking emasculate him. Because I don't know, is that the purpose of the feminist movement? Just to truly emasculate men? Yeah. Because congratulations, you have succeeded. Can you please go the fuck away now, please? What, what pisses me off the most about this is he was attacked at the culmination of this man's life. He did. He led the team that did something that no other animal that we know of in, in, in the galaxy, all right? So in... In all that we know about our universe, this man led the team that did something nothing has ever done prior. Mm. He ruined the culmination of they ruined the culmination of this man's life, career. This this moment is his claim to fame. He will be remembered in science at, and um, for everything that he's done and the things that he built, and they just ruined it. This, are you are you fucking kidding me? Really? This and is a fantastic achievement. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a. I mean, of course, this whole thing is absurd and short-sighted. One, he didn't design the shirt. He literally is appreciating the female form for having bought the shirt. So take a fucking compliment. You don't may not like the format of the compliment, but this is what the compliment is. He <laughs> likes the female form. He's going to wear a shirt that accentuates, that, 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 that portrays the female form mixed with sci-fi. That's what he's into. Who fucking cares? Two, it's not making a statement about you as a woman at all. He's not saying he wants to rape you because he's wearing a fucking shirt. He's saying that he likes the stupid sh I don't know why he likes this shirt, but for some reason, he likes this shirt. This does not... A woman, a woman designed the shirt. You know what? <laughs> a woman is like his female friend who's trying to get her sci-fi nerdy fashion label up on the ground. That's why he wore it when he was interviewed, was to help uh, his female friend out with her designs. This oh, thing. feminists, you are now stopping the rise of women. Exactly! <laughs> it's hilarious! And on top, and second, it's... Let's not pussyfoot around about this. All right, so yeah, a compliment, sure, I agree with you. But at the end of the day, this is where I will agree with the stupid with these stupid feminists that are bitching about it. It doesn't matter if it's a compliment or, uh, compliment or not. It's fucking. It's a woman. It's a woman on a goddamn shirt. It doesn't matter if he meant it as an insult. It doesn't matter if he meant it as a compliment. I'm sure he didn't consider either one of those things. Yeah. Because it's irrelevant. <laughs> what is relevant is the achievement. That's why he was interviewed. It's a monumental moment this year. Uh, in, in science. It's huge. And I, I hate, I really do, I fucking hate that all I see 
when I when I put up the, when I pull up the internet or I go on Facebook or what have you, all I see is this man crying in that shirt. <laughs> I'm like, no, this so kid should be throwing a big party in an observatory with strippers. Dude, hire a bunch of strippers, call them a hoe, and slap them on the ass because you are right now the great one of the greatest scientists on this planet. Have a good fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> Blow yeah. a load on some broad's throat and call her a whore. <laughs> just, just cause you can, and it's gonna piss someone off. Let's go. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh. It's is the worst. And 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 the bottom line I think that I would like to uh point out here is that um being anti-feminist movement does not mean you're anti-feminist. So because because uh I I believe that you and I both think that women should have the same opportunity and the same basic rights as men does not mean that we're <clears throat> not uh that, that we're anti-feminist. What, the reason why we're anti-feminist is because of what the feminist movement has become. And it's yeah. it's a travesty. And, and if you're if, if you're fucking goose-stepping along with these women, you need to take a second fucking look at yourself and realize there's probably more significant places you could be spending your energy than a dude with a t-shirt. Like being an example of the power of a woman. No, not yeah. even that. In the power of an individual that happens to be a woman. Uh, when people like to point to, oh, you know, you know, women were so oppressed, and then you have women like Ayn Rand coming from Soviet Russia and becoming famous in the forties and fifties. The forties and fifties, a a woman immigrant <laughs> who is still incredibly respected by the Republican Party today. <laughs> Yeah. It's, I look at them and go, it's, God, no, you are, no. you don't know your history. Yes, women couldn't go to the workforce and do A, B, and C, and it, things were tougher for them. But these women, instead of bitching and whining about it, became examples, became templates and blueprints for you. And not because they wanted to be, but because they wanted to do something and wouldn't let a man tell them no is an acceptable answer. They would look whomever in the eye, another woman, like with um, Margaret Thatcher. Her mother always told her it was uh, uh, incorrect for a woman to go into politics or to argue with men or to go to parliament and argue with a group of men on how to run a country, that women shouldn't run a country. And she, and she would just look the other woman in the eye and go, no, that's that's the point. I thought that's what these um, uh, gender movements were about, where it was having the ability as an individual to say, no, I'm going to do exactly what I want. And when it happens, I'm going to look at you and go, i thought that's what this was about not bitching about a t-shirt but about having the power the ability and the courage to stand up and go fuck you i'm going to do what i want i'm going to be successful despite what's between my legs and at the end of the day i can still hold a purse wear a skirt and raise a family if i want and if i don't want to fuck you i don't have to i I think that's a wonderful distillation of rather than being against men it was pro individual 
It was, I am going to make a statement because I am good enough to make a statement. It wasn't, you all suck in your shirt, sucking. It was about the individual. It wasn't about the movement. And then I think that's, that's a wonderful place here um, to probably close this discussion down. Yeah, I, I love women, but fucking feminists, man. You, you gotta stop. I mean, fuck. They talk hated and the low-browed. With a scarlet passion and valid gospel, I say to you, thou in sick style will motion alters. Be not of love, but of lust. And to one of those full ears are bellies full. Expand your gentle rebellion to vindicate the shrew. Let thy brothel be revelation. Then thy moans are divine wisdom. Salvation in the whole's religion. Our dogma is their kink. With legs spread, with flesh mounted, we point out to our accusers a slut alone is no slut at all. This I say to you, my fellow eroticists, my hands on borders. It doesn't matter who bends over. In the end, we are all degraded. Welcome to Militant Eroticism. I am Aden Arden, and this is the Monogamy and Monogamy episode. I've spoken before, albeit briefly, about my problems with the monogamy-only narrative, that the definition doesn't suit the practice, that the practice is rarely practiced, that the definition in and of itself is contradictory, and that to solve the contradiction, they've created different kinds of monogamy that were once reserved for anthropologists who study human relationships in varying cultures. Here I want to talk about the science of monogamy, what the research says about where it comes from, the biological impulses behind it, the benefits to it, the consequences of it, and the differences between monogamy and monogamy. I always thought that it was funny that when you break down the word monogamy, it means one, mono, brave, plucky, smelly, sordid, scandalous, (laughs) corrupt, disreputable, and sexually suggestive. The definition of gamey. Not that this is telling you anything, it's just a comical observation. But since I've been misunderstood frequently about my personal take on the monogamous contract, and I will take some credit for that uh, misunderstanding, because I like it, I decided to use the term monogamy to describe relationships that are nothing more than slutting on the layaway plan all dressed up in a good guy badge. So for this, monogamy is a type of relationship had. And monogamy is a disparaging remark about monogamy practiced by self-righteous idiots. Although we hear that we are a monogamous species, science is still out on that statement. The research kind of jumps ahead of the cart by asking why we are monogamous instead of asking if we are monogamous. Though when interviewed, it seems many scientists will admit that we are not a monogamous species, that we are a pair bonding species who are incredibly flexible with mating. And that, st- that sentence is incredibly important when you 
if you do research on your own or look at the articles I posted on militant eroticism on Facebook. Cultures run the gamut on relationship contracts, and monogamy is given lip service in the West. Remember that once you commit adultery, even once, you just threw the notion of monogamous species out the fucking window, since a monogamous species couldn't have a concept of adultery unless that individual is mentally ill. There are three primary theories as to where monogamy came from in our species. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our relatives are mostly polygamous. So why are we so goddamn special? The thoughts are mostly around the common practice of infanticide among apes. That the males who stuck around to watch over their young and take care of the female had a better chance of spreading their genetics over and over and over again, while males who fought for breeding rights, like in chimpanzees, had to spend all their time doing so and would be lucky if a few of their children survived. And remember, that is the goal of mating, is to leave heirs. But those are the two that are being debated. One is to protect their breeding rights and thus the woman, and thus the woman, while the other is to make sure that their young are not killed by a competing male. The third theory as to where monogamy came about in our species is due to ecolo uh, ecological stress. Much like how bonobos and chimpanzees were separated through evolution, uh, what happened was they were once one group, a river came between two, and one became bonobos, one became chimpanzees. And most of the time when you look at them, you don't really see any difference. The primary physical differences between the two is bonobos are slimmer, a little bit taller, and walk more on two legs. They're closer to us, but not by much. So much like bonobos and chimps separate in evolution, the primary reason for the differences in sexual practice was due to environmental plenty. The same idea has been used to explain why we are more pair bonding than our relatives. Bonobos were on the better side of the river. They, there was more food uh, on the trees and in the bush. They had to do less hunting. Chimpanzees spend a lot of time hunting and they do it in male coalitions. Men do the hunting, women take care of the young and watch the grounds while the men are gone. Uh, so we're more like chimps in that respect, the way our evolution has gone. The men went and did the hunting, the women had to guard the cave, that type of stuff. That is not completely satisfying, though, because we'd be more polygamous than monogamous, like chimpanzees. Which brings in the cultural arguments. Cultural arguments amount to the idea of plenty versus hunting and gathering and cultural stipulations, uh, like social constructs. I've been using the term pair bonding and monogamous somewhat interchangeably, and I should explain the difference. Pair bonding is a close emotional bond, while not necessarily a sexual one, whereas monogamy necessarily implies a sexual or romantic relationship. Pair bonding can describe anything from a very close friendship to a marriage, whereas monogamy can only describe a type of mating system. It is also important to note that pair bonding can be used in lieu of romantic love. Uh, it could also be used to describe a platonic love or a love that cannot be articulated. One of the biggest reasons I say monogamy is not our natural state is because of adultery. A species that is naturally monogamous could not conceive of adultery unless behaviorally ill. While various studies have concluded that around a quarter of any given country's population engage in affairs, and that research is used to back up the position that our species is naturally monogamous because less than half of the population engages in affairs, therefore it is not the, the natural inclination. 
What these monogamy-only backers fail to realize is that monogamy is a biological inclination, cannot include constant courting, cannot include fucking for fun or novelty, and remarriage does not count as monogamy unless specifying serial monogamy. We are far from a monogamous species. Experiences alone can inform an individual of that. Monogamous species mate for the purpose of breeding only. This is evident in any species that has been dubbed monogamous, like rabbits. And even they're not the most monogamous. By the way, there is only one ape, the gibbon, which is a lesser ape, that is monogamous. Homo sapiens are one of six kinds of apes. From the articles I've read on the subject, the benefits of monogamy are more for society and evolution than for the individual. People will usually say that health and uh, sexual frequency are the greatest perks of monogamy. But please remember that once the condoms are put away, that you have just left yourself 100% open to disease from possible infidelity. I've posted on the Facebook page for militant eroticism the stats on infidelity. They are embarrassingly high. <laughs> also, it is consistently demonstrated that sexual feelings diminish over time with a long-running monogamous couple. There are dozens of classes and books about how to keep sexual feelings alive, how to create novelty in order to rekindle the flame, and there was a whole <laughs> profession built around keeping sex in a marriage. That always seemed rather odd to me, since it is supposedly a perk of marriage, and I never thought you really had to work hard for perks. Or study, or pay someone else to teach me how to use my perk. Even if I'm bad in bed, I know how to put my penis in a hole. <laughs> so, <laughs> in the end, having a monogamous relationship does not mean you no longer think about other sexual partners. That your sexual nature is inherently for one person, or that all of our sexual nature is for one person forever. It means you've made a choice. A choice to dedicate yourself emotionally and sexually to one other person, that your needs are satisfied by one, and that is perfectly fine. I've met couples who've lost their virginity to each other, have been married for 30 or more years, and cannot conceive in any serious manner of being with anyone else sexually. And these are beautiful relationships because they understand themselves and are perfectly comfortable with their choices, and they're proud of it, as they should be. So any questions or suggested topics, you can email me at adenarden at gmail.com or via the Militant Eroticism Facebook page where I post all the research that I use in these episodes. And as always, remember, keep your skirts up, your pants down, no matter who bends over. In the end, you are not a given. <laughs> oh, applause! I'm so happy about that. Makes me very grateful. Last time I heard applause, I was being put in an oven. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that was awesome! I it's such a, a brilliant fucking point. Uh, I mean, well, okay, so I I got a, a bunch of notes here. Um, the idea of uh, you you say it much better than I'm gonna try to distill it. That uh, monogamy is it? Well, how oh, fucking what? How did you describe it? Was it was uh, uh it, it's a temporary exercise? I'm gonna say. Um, only if you're not having a threesome <laughs> <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, and the reality is like okay so I've been in a monogamous relationship for a very long time when I think about it it's actually a lot longer than it actually is but 
<clears throat> the reality is, is because I, I and I, I can only fairly assume that my wife thinks about other men, whether they're movie stars or some random person that she saw throughout her day-to-day -day, uh, life and thought about. Like, it is a natural thing to do, to fantasize about things. So if, if you are... If you are convincing yourself that you're in a monogamous, monogamous relationship and yet you still fantasize, you still want and desire, isn't that the definition of not being like, it, it, is it just the physical act that matters or is it the mental state that you're in? Because if it, I would contend that if it's the, the, the mental state you're in, it is impossible to me to be monogamous it is fucking absolutely you can never have sex with more than one person in your entire life but by nature of being a human being you would still desire others right um there's i love that this connects with undefiled wisdom that just because you choose to be monogamous does not mean you don't think of others like i have a, yeah. i have friends who are in their 50s and they're like no we lost our virginity to each other we've been married for you know, since we were 21 and like I said, they're in their fifties and they're like, Oh yeah, no, the woman will go, Oh my God, he's hot. You take 15 years off me and I'd ride the fuck out of the <laughs> And the man's like, Oh shit. 20 year old girl in a short skirt. <laughs> I'm going to fuck the shit out of my wife tonight. <laughs> like now these people got it. They understand, you know, <laughs> they yeah. love each other. They wouldn't be married to anyone else in the world. And they love having sex with each other. You can see it the way they touch each other, the way they talk dirty to each other. And they think no one can hear. Um, they, they just love being around each other and being together and being inside. Well, the man loves being inside the woman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it can go the other way too. It can be, but not with these. A people. digit or two is okay, <laughs> but not with these people. So <laughs> okay. So um, but they still have, they are still aware enough. Mm. Uh, they understand themselves to the point where that does not mean anything. It doesn't mean when the man looks at a, a pretty girl in a short skirt, and it's the same thing for the woman. It doesn't mean anything when she looks at a guy who has a better body than her husband. That kind of, that's bullshit insecurity. It, it's, it turns me off personally. If I'm dating a guy and he's like, oh, are you checking out that guy? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I am. Did you see that ass? Holy <laughs> shit. Like, baby, when you go to work and I jack off and be picturing that ass sitting on my face, I don't know about you, but <laughs> damn. And if he can't get with me on that, if he gets all jealous and insecure, I'm like, oh, now you're just being ridiculous. You're being silly. I'm fucking you. I'm imagining him. Not when I'm mm. fucking you, but um, like, like I said, monogamy is a choice. It's a description of a contract you have. Yeah. It's, it's an arrangement. And there's nothing wrong with that arrangement. It's just an option. That's all. Just an option. Okay, so one more time uh, for the folks listening, for the folks tuning in, where can they find you online? And how can they reach you? Well, if you have any uh, questions or suggested topics, every now and then I get some, but I think there could be more. You can email me at adenarden at gmail.com or just uh, go to the Militant Eroticism Facebook. There's a message box. I check it frequently. And also all the research that I use in these episodes is posted there. That way I don't have to stop every five minutes and make a reference. Yeah. I, I, I would like to reiterate um, – 
you know, there's a lot of different segments on this podcast that talk about a lot of different things, and, and it's all really in relation to the human experience. Um, this is literally the only one that talks about sexuality, sexual behaviors, and really the human animal at its most, uh, I don't know, it sounds it sounds negative when I say base level, but I don't mean it to be. It's fucking um, core. <laughs> yeah, at its core. I mean, this is this is really what we are as animals. So it, it's an important thing. And, you know, y- you can see a lot of uh, articles that Aden posts on his Facebook page that don't ever make it into the show's discussion, certainly not on a monthly basis. And there's a lot of uh, back and forth that you can have by reaching out to him individually. And I do highly recommend uh, subject topics or areas that you would like him to talk about because when, <clears throat> and I'm speaking for me here, when, 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 planning a show we typically think about what we want to hear we don't necessarily think about what you the audience wants to hear and because at its core everything we're doing here is for you it's really nice to hear from you so reach out to Aden let him know what you think of what he's said so far and what you would like him to speak to and if you disagree with a point let him know if you agree with a point fucking let him know uh it takes you seconds and I have to tell you as a uh, content provider, it means a lot to us to have that back and forth. So do yourselves a favor and be a part of militant eroticism. Um, I don't think I ever mentioned this to anyone. I, I think I may have I may have mentioned it to you, Aden, but I ran a series of ads on Facebook um, that were meant to increase awareness of Nine Cents. And by, at the end of the period of time, by far the largest response was to your segment, Militant Eroticism. So, I, I mean, by like three times the amount of, of correspondence. So, it is very, uh, it is a topic that connects to each and every one of us dramatically in our own way, and you can literally be a part of it. Why the fuck wouldn't you? So, I- let them know. I would take it as a compliment if sex wasn't easy to sell. At this point, I've, I've covered almost everything that I've been dying to talk about in a public setting. So, no, I do enjoy the feedback and, I'm, and I do respond to the emails. And between the book and the podcast, because there are some things I'm saving only for the book, that I've covered everything. So tell me what you want to hear and... Tell me what you oh, want yeah, me to talk about. For those about. who don't know, there is a book coming. That there is. And I love, I love your cover. So, <laughs> so you know what? So do my fuck buddies. Because, God damn it, Adam, you look good naked. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, you're not supposed to say that? It's not I, me. <laughs> it's not you by ass. <laughs> not oh, that shit. I've been posting your photos all over, you know, gay tube and X tube and. <laughs> Hard sex tube oh, and um, shit. boyfriend tube and <laughs> cocky boys and Holy what? Shit. Where else haven't I posted your phone? <laughs> <laughs> and sending to every gay member of the Church of Satan. I would never do <laughs> or make you know like a six by ten banner to hang up to another world's house. I've never. I did not do that at all. Good. Good. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good thing. All right. Well, for everyone, that's going to do it for yet another show. 
We hope you collectively enjoyed it. And again, we would love to hear from you. Uh, visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. Uh, I, I do really mean it. It means a lot when you guys correspond with us, whether it's an article suggestion, a note on an episode that you saw or, or heard, or telling uh, the segment producers what you thought of their segment. It really does go a long way, and truly, that's really the only reason why we do this. So if you want us to continue, then do your part, and this back and forth, and uh, give us a little, uh, give us a little back <laughs> and forth. I don't know, I tried to make it sound sexual, but it kind of failed. <clears throat> You can visit way. the Satannet, Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, or MySpace page for nine cents and get updated on weekly topics. You can download the show Mondays via my RSS feed found at nine centspodcast.com. We're also on Last FM, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, actually not Spotify, but YouTube definitely. So look for us there. You can subscribe to Nine Cents via iTunes by searching Nine Cents and don't forget to leave a rating or comment. Uh, once again, obviously, there's only one place uh, online to learn a little bit more about Satanism, and that is churchofsatan.com. Even if you are a devout Satanist, do yourselves a favor, stop by the website. There is tons of content there for you to explore and devour and learn from. So uh, why wouldn't you study, not worship people? All right, and once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... Adenar Deck. Hell yeah, kick ass and dent our dent. And until next week, hail Satan! Hail Satan! That was so gay. So gay. <laughs> <laughs>